Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I have a wonderful guest with me today. We're going to talk about wellness in the workplace. And just on that note, I'm always talking about life by design and what does that look like and leading your own life. And here I am once again, enjoying my Lakeview office. And I'm interviewing this amazing woman today from my boat. So exciting. So let me tell you about my guest today. Her name is Mari Ryan, and she is the CEO and founder of Advancing Wellness. Mari is an expert in workplace well-being. She leverages over 30 years of business experience in a variety of industries. And for the last 10 years, she's been creating thriving workplaces through her consulting work, as well as speaking on worksite well-being. So Mari, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Deb. I'm so excited to be here this morning. Well, this is such a great topic to talk about pre-pandemic, during pandemic, and post-pandemic. So let me just uh, jump right into my leadership questions if you're ready. I am ready. You know, COVID has really changed the landscape of how we work and how we live. So my first question to you being a workplace wellness expert is what are what's a strategy or two that you could share with us that you've helped your clients kind of navigate through working remotely and being ready for it, but being able to sustain it, Mari? Well, we know that uh, the remote work is here to stay. And this is something I've written a lot about recently because it was a temporary thing or so we thought during the pandemic. And now it's gotten to be really a strategy that many organizations are embracing. And for a number of reasons, employees, first off, are finding that they're just as productive at home as they were in the office. So nobody climbs out of bed in the morning and says, I can't wait to do that two-hour commute. Who says that? So people are recognizing that many aspects of their quality of life may have improved as a result of working from home. Especially for, um, I would say, for families, families in particular are feeling this because they've had so many more things, I think, to deal with than those of us that don't have perhaps children living at home. But from a perspective of, you know, what employers are seeing, you know, there's um, questions about how to really use their real estate. How are offices now going to be used? And as such, they're rethinking what the workplace is look like, going to look like going forward. But in the immediate short term, as they're planning for this longer term view, there are a couple of things that employers really have had to give some attention to, and or at least those who really care for their workforce do. And that's the mental well-being of their workforce, really thinking about what is it that people are experiencing, how has the pandemic impacted them, 
you know, for many people, it was just, yeah, so we got to stay home for a while. Yeah, maybe no vacation this year. And for others, they lost family members. It's very difficult for some. So many people are dealing with mental well-being issues that have to be addressed because they have such a big impact on our overall well-being. So that's really the first one. And then the second one is as the economy is starting to recover, you know, we're seeing many families um, as well as individuals dealing with, you know, the outcome or the um, fallout of the economic impact. You know, the economy seems to be coming back and, you know, things are a little different, but the employment situation, you know, may have changed for some people with many women who have not returned to the workforce. And that may be putting pressure on families from a financial perspective. So these are all in the mix of things that employers uh, need to be thinking about. Well, and I, I think you've given some really great examples because it's not like we are prepared as a global society for such a pandemic. So this has definitely opened our eyes. And like you said, there's varying degrees of how this has affected us both professionally and personally within our family units. So love your perspective. And I do believe you. I think remote is here to stay. And I think it's given a nice vantage point for employers to see that their employees can be productive, even though they're not sitting in the office. So amazing, amazing insight. My second question is the one that has permanent residency on the show. Share with us what imperfections that Mari brings to her heart-centered leadership. Well, I would say my imperfections are probably in the area of my lack of patience. I have very personal high standards for myself, and occasionally I impose those on other people, which is not fair, but um, just have high standards. I like to see things um, in my work life in particular done very professionally. So I tend to be impatient both with myself and sometimes with other people. Well, I can tell you after interviewing over 100 leaders on the show, (laughs) that is probably in the top three of answers. So you are in great company, Mari. (laughs) Uh, That's good to know. Now, one of the elements that you listed as a leadership skill really got me curious, and it's one of the most important proponents that I talk about through my branding and my languaging, and that is self-care. And you stated it as a leadership skill. So I would love for you to kind of unpack that for us and tell us where you came to that viewpoint of seeing it as a leadership skill. Well, I think it's so important for so many reasons. You and I have probably been on airplanes, how many hundreds or perhaps for me and me, thousands of times and heard the instruction, put your oxygen mask on first. We have to put our oxygen mask on first because we can't be of help to anyone else until we take care of ourselves. And I really translate this into what we need to be doing as leaders Because leaders have to recognize that they're, and I think if anything we've learned in 2020 is that nothing is more important than our health. So we have to take care of our health first. And when we do that, when we look after ourselves and we do the basic things that we need to do, and this is not saying we have to be perfect. You know, I eat chocolate every day. You know, I have some days where I don't eat the best meals or days I don't exercise. 
But in total, I have some good habits that I live in my life. And I think this plays out in a couple of ways in the workplace. One is that when we think about strategy from a well-being perspective, we need to have leaders in the organization be the role models for the values and the beliefs that are part of the culture of the organization. And that comes to how we demonstrate how we care for ourselves personally. You know, if we, if we don't appear to be caring for ourselves personally, that kind of sends a message that says, hey, that piece isn't important. And yet, if we're trying to create a value in the workplace about caring for people, we know we have to care for ourselves first. So it's all tied together. And that's why I'm a firm believer that this really is a leadership skill. And the other element around this is that when we take care of ourselves, we have the energy that we need to be able to do our work and to be able to be there for the people we care about and the people who love us. And that really is just a core element of, you know, that energy that you need to be your best. I think when you think about, I love your, you know, your tagline, life by design, you know, when we design our lives so that we prioritize the things that are important, such as our health, then we are able to have the energy and to be there for everybody else who depends on us. There's so many elements of your answer that I, I want to unpack a little bit there. So self-care, you know, I was talking about self-care years ago to executives and they used to laugh at me and they'd say <laughs> yeah. there was no place for that in the same sentence as leadership or skill. And then when I created my heart-centered leadership model and I really thought about the top 20 qualities, self-care, again, is a permanent resident on that list especially through this pandemic, when leaders can model that self-care, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Not only is it a leadership skill, it's foundational in their leadership. So I believe, Mari, that self-care stems from self-awareness. And I truly believe it's the foundation to all leadership. And I think it aligns beautifully with, with what you talk about, workplace well-being and really creating a thriving people-centric workplace, also known as that healthy, vital culture. So my last leadership question is, I asked you to describe three words or phrases that really makes you think about leadership. And you listed purpose, passion, and people. So I know you've had a few decades of experience. Share with us why you landed on those three words and what they really mean for you when you talk about leadership as well as workplace well-being. The three words that you have just uh, stated were the three that I feel really demonstrate the ways in which we bring our values into any situation, purpose, passion, and people. And so let's start with purpose. Purpose is both at the individual level and at the organizational level. At the individual level, purpose is what gets us out of bed every day. It's what excites us. It what, it's really what keeps us going and motivates us to be achieving what we're trying to do in our lives. At the organizational level, purpose does the same thing for the people who work in an organization. It gives them something to aspire to, something to, you know, collaboratively be able to work towards. 
And purpose is really important from a cultural perspective in the workplace. All of that, of course, can drive passion. And passion is really how we our energy is focused on the things that uh, give us purpose and meaning in our lives. So as you know, so much of your work that you do is around having meaning in your life. And that's where the passion really comes into play in the way that people demonstrate that passion. And when the third piece is around people, I really feel like this is, you know, in organizations that we, we think about the history of management and, you know, how people have worked in, in the past, it's really been people have been thought of as assets, you know, they're the human asset. And yet in so many ways, you know, if we don't value people, you know, we have, we are treating them as assets, something that's disposable that can be easily replaced. Organizations really need to be caring for their people. And we're going to see this, especially as we go into the um, next few years post-pandemic, where there's going to be a war for talent or the war for talent has already started because employees are recognizing that, to use your words, they're going to live their life by design. And if we don't care for the people in our organizations, they're going to look for a place that does. I'm going to tell you what I really love about that. I haven't heard that expression, war for talent, but I I want to throw in an extra question here, Mari, because I really value your opinion and insight here. Human resources or human capital, I never (laughs) really loved those words because we're not a commodity. We're human beings. Do you think that's the migration and the foundation of why so many organizations have looked at stature and title and we've moved to titles such as vice president of talent and culture or chief human resources officer? What what has been kind of your bandwidth and observation on the changing in titles as well as roles and responsibilities? Well, I am absolutely with you on this one, Deb, because I hate this idea that human capital is just, you know, as I said, assets that are to be used up and then replaced. I love the new titles I'm hearing, such as um, chief people officer is is one I'm hearing a lot. Using the word people, employee experience is another word that we're hearing a lot. I am totally in favor of this move towards the recognition that people have to be treated like people, like human beings, and that we need to be caring for them. And that should be represented in the titles and not, you know, just thinking of them as as widgets or assets or, you know, as we've said. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. Let's put let's put the human back. Okay, I'm going to ask you my fast fab four. Are you ready? I'm ready. Bring them on. Okay, Mari, tell us something we don't know about you. Professionally trained race car driver. Oh, you know what? I love that. Are you still doing it? I am not. Actually, I'm going to a reunion this week. of uh, I raced for over 20 years. It was just a hobby I had for a number of years, and now I'm doing other things, so I'm not doing that one anymore. Well, look at all the transferable skills you're bringing as a race car driver to the, to the, to the well-being in the workplace. I love it. Okay, finish this sentence for me, Mari. Heart-centered leadership is? Essential. Absolutely. Love that. 
Next question. Share a book you've just read or one that you want to read. Tell us what the title is and who the author is and why did you choose to read it? Well, I actually just started a new book this morning on my walk. The name of the book is Doom, The Politics of Catastrophe by Nail Ferguson. And it's, it's a very timely book because it's about how we respond to catastrophes. And having just been through a global catastrophe, it reflects on the history of catastrophes. So it was just, you know, one of those intellectually stimulating kinds of books that I just started this morning. Oh, it sounds interesting. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to, I'm going to look that one up for sure. And my last question, what is one thing that you would like our listeners to remember about you? What I would like them to remember about me is that my passion for well-being in the workplace is what is getting me out of bed every day. That is my purpose. I have been on this mission for over 15 years to really try to deliver that important message about how important people are in the workplace, that we can't achieve business objectives in any organization without your people and that we need to be caring for people and using well-being as the foundation for that caring. Well, that's absolutely beautiful. And I'm so honored that you wanted to be on the show. And I want to thank you for your time and your beautiful energy and your expertise, but most importantly, for sharing your heart. Well, my pleasure, Deb, as always. And thanks for everything you're doing to bring just so much joy to the world. Well, thank you so much. And we will put all of Mari's contact details and website and social media links below. And there's some good nuggets that were dropped in this episode. So thanks again. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart-Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again.